0: Love, Hope, Radio I right. Juice On the way Rock You know oh. Right off the back Yo, Juice got dollars Of Vince Rock Travis say I rock Prada oh. Baby, I got Game, My guess I'm a starter 430 changing lanes like Samuel L. Jackson <coughs> Call me at and I reach out and touch ya Face up on you, it yellow like it was mustard Yup, my bell blingin' it yep, You straight listenin', you ain't listenin' Rack up when we gettin' in yeah. Oh, what's to say? I'm gonna say it Girl, you got me shook Why you clean And exchange me, you're not
1: everybody this is Ravenda with MZN Indie Radio thank you so much for coming here to visit us again tonight for another wonderful show and uh, we are going to have a great time we're going to be here for a couple of hours to help you enjoy our upcoming guests uh, but before we bring our guests in I want to just say um, congratulations to A lot of our recent um, guests who have been on the show who have been able to win a free vacation for bringing in the most people to listen to our show. We had Sindri Marat who came on the show about two weeks ago and so far has had over 400 downloads of that show. And uh, you do remember her. She's a writer and she has great um, talent for writing books and, and journals and articles But please be sure to continue downloading that show if you missed it. And if you are a guest in the future or a guest of the past, you can still have a chance to win a free weekend vacation to one of 29 locations sponsored by MCN Travel Stars so that uh, you can go take a friend with you and have a great time. Uh, If you can continue to support our show by allowing your friends of all your social networks and anywhere else to come and download the show and visit any of the other shows that are coming on. So we'll give you more information on that later, Um, but we are going to introduce our guest, Kyle Clawson, who's going to be on in a moment. So everybody stay tuned. We're going to just play a little commercial break, right quick, and then we'll be right back.
2: DJ get the hottest music first, direct to your email
0: at vertico.com.
2: Be a part of the movement, taking over the internet, vertico.com. It's a simple four-step process. Receive, listen, download, and press play. That's it. Log on now to Vertico.com. DJs, if you missed a track, we got you covered with the monthly and annual in Edition featuring a recap of the blazing hot new tracks, artists, and labels. We will keep your track in a Vertico library for 18 months while you receive direct feedback and a total download tracker. Vertico is exclusively for industry professionals and accessible only with a special V code. Log on now, Vertico.com. Global e-distribution of music, models, and art entertainment. It went big. I don't hear anything. I was hearing music and stuff, and now it's nothing. you log on to it. That, yeah. Oh, she could have put Rob's artist on there.
1: All right, we are back. Seem like we're still having some technical issues. I believe we may have Cal on the line with us. Cal, are you there with us?
2: Hey, what's going on?
1: How you doing there?
2: I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I had a a, a moment of silence. I didn't know what was going on.
1: Yeah, we all had a moment of silence. We're having some technical issues, but we'll get through it. Um, oh, yeah. I would love to just say thank you for coming to the show and welcome, and we are just so happy to have you here. But um, so first, why don't you just give us some information about yourself, for those of, of us who have not been able to put the face to the name.
2: Okay. Uh, first of all, I'd like to thank uh, God for the opportunity to, to do what I love to do. And I would also like to thank them for, you know, putting me in touch with such great people. Um, I appreciate you for bringing me on the show. And I want to thank everybody that supports me in the uh, Cal Coffin um, quest to be um, a better human being and, and give back to the community as well. Um, for those that don't know, I am an actor, a model, and I have been doing it for a number of years. Um, you can go to my website, which is www. K A L C A U T H E N dot com, or you can hit me on Facebook um, or MySpace or any of those others. I have been on this quest since officially '92. I was at a New Year's Eve party and I said, You know, I really want to be an actor. And um, from that moment on, starting that January 1st, um, I was dealing with a young lady. Her name was Olivia Stenard, and they were shooting the movie in New York. I'm originally from New Jersey, uh, Teaneck, New Jersey. Shout out to everybody in Teaneck, um, Bergen County area. I was, um, Olivia told me about they were doing an open casting call for the movie Above the Rim with Tupac Shakur and Leon, one of the noted stars there. There were a couple other people there. And I went down and I was. Don't go out and rent the movie. You're not going to see me. It was really quick. I was standing under the basket. And I got the bug. And ever since then, I've been on this journey trying to um, become a working Fesbian um, or actors, for those that don't know, Fesbian is an actor. I've been on this trek since 92. So it takes 18 years to become an overnight success. I have a lot of people that have supported me throughout the years, um, some of them have passed on, and some of them are still with us. Um, I'd like to just give homage to, you know, Mr. Willie Brennan of Brennan's Barbershop in Englewood, New Jersey. A um, dear friend of mine had passed from breast cancer. She was the fairy godmother of breast cancer. Her name was Tanya Sue Gowdy-Cawther. Good, good, good um, friend. I love her. Um, I, I know she's in a better place now. Um, there are so many things that I want to talk about, and I know you want to get right to it. Um, I've done um, All My Children in New York. I've done um, a couple of independent films. I'm here now in Atlanta. Um, I'm down here doing, I just did a television series called Atlanta Homicide, which you can catch on Colors TV. They're still showing reruns of that. I did 12 episodes of that with Hattie Lemon and Carl Millinder. Um, we uh, banged out 12 episodes. Um, it didn't get picked up by a major network, but it did get picked up by Colors, which I'm very happy to say that they've been running it for the past year and a half, I believe. Um, I've done Tyler Perry. I've done American Gangster. Don't go rent it. Um, you're only going to see me for a hot second. Um, <laughs> Tyler Perry, why <laughs> do we get married at the very end when Janet Jackson accepts the award? You will see me at the dinner table sitting uh, one seat, two seats from Jill Scott. Um, I've done a lot of things, and I've, I've, I've seen a lot of things. and. Uh, I would love to share them with the rest of the world. Um, I'm 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 so happy that you've given me the opportunity to to speak out. And for those that don't know, if you miss it tonight, you'll be able to download it. I'm sure we'll make it available for them, won't we? Oh, absolutely.
1: That's that's. That's where a lot of people find it convenient to be able to participate with a lot of our shows because, um, you know, if you don't have the time to sit down at your computer to, to check it out, uh, and you don't have the time to call in, then you can always find that that download available to you. You can put that on your computer and just listen to it whenever you want. You can even put it on a CD and carry it with you in your car or on your iPod. So that's the modern the technology
2: beauty. is a. Yes,
1: is a, is definitely. A I mean, I love the fact that we have that available and I, I love the fact that we have this media format to give us the freedom and unrestricted um, forum for all of our listeners and our guests to be able to discuss, you know, whatever topics that uh, concern them, uh, to promote them if they have, you know, music that they're having a hard time of getting out there for this you know, for the um, public because of the way the industry is. Like, uh, in the beginning of our show, we were uh, playing a music of an independent artist, Von Sway, who was a, a recent guest. Uh, and we often do that. We do, um, you know, a, a short um, radio play um, rotation of some of our artists. And we also promote it everywhere else, like on our Facebook and our Twitter and all those other social networking uh, formats. So uh, it, it comes in handy to help, to help everybody and people like yourself whenever you're doing a movie you know or you or you have a cause that you want us to bring attention to you can feel free to come to us and we'll be happy to go ahead and promote that for you
2: i appreciate that so much i want to do a special request of uh a good friend of mine he's in chicago he's a producer his name is rob Diggy. i think you got a couple of his artists uh i would love for you to play you know give his, his people a couple of spins too as well if you're able to do that i know we're going to fill this this conversation is going to be so great that we may not be able to get to the music. So those who tuned in for the music, and not the conversation, the conversation is going to be so good we might miss the music.
0: <laughs>
1: well, we'll see. But um, whatever those artists are, I would love for somebody to email it to me. Uh, it would have to be an MP3 format so I can upload it. Um, you can email it to mznndradio at gmail dot com. And, yes, Rob was on our show not too long ago. We had a really great interview with him as well,
0: and um,
1: I look forward to having him on again. He does a lot well, of
0: great I'm gonna work. I'm going to beat
2: that. I'm going to beat that young lady that has 450 downloads, so I can get the trip. So I'll, I'll, I'm going to have everybody downloading this thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay,
1: well that'll be good because we really, you know, like to have. A, we're trying to like break some records here because the the highest oh, um, amount of downloads that we've had since I've been on the air. Was about seven hundred from one guest, so mm-hmm.
0: um, okay.
1: she she pretty much comes in third place because the second one is at um, five hundred and like eighty, and that was Chanel Gabriel. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a okay. spoken word artist.
2: So okay.
1: Sandrine was. It's one of the. She was. We have had lots of artists, but we've asked, also had authors. So she was the top running author as far as all the downloads. So you go ahead and bring us some, and you'll be like the top actor bringing in downloads, or you can just be all everybody. That's what
2: I'm talking about.
1: (laughs) So um, let me just go into um, talking to you about your career. What was it that really just just you know grabbed your heart and and made you want to just. Do this for the rest of your life I mean was it was Well it something when I was in high school or
2: what? Well when I was in high school I was in uh, Martin Dance And there was a, a beautiful lady Her name was Cheryl, Cheryl Miller Who was in charge of Martin Dance And she gave me the opportunity to play Chubby Checker I was one of the Temptations And I've always been um, A make believe type of guy uh, When I was a kid I always liked playing the um, Cops and robbers And different games and, and stuff like that So I think that stems from my personality. I am Aquarius, um, for those Aquarians out there who are. And I think that's what really, being on stage and being in front of an audience, you know, I always wanted to be on Soul Train, (laughs) you know. I always wanted to be a Soul Train dancer. So um, that was, I I guess that would be the the reason or the catalyst to what I was doing. And then when I did... Fashion shows and things of that nature. I always got a, a high from the accolades of the audience. So I would have to say that, that probably was the uh, the biggest thing. My aha moment was when um, a good friend of mine um, got me an opportunity to be on All My Children. And uh, when I was on All My Children to be around them, when you're in college and you're watching them and you're scheduling your classes around All My Children and days of our lives and one life to live and, um, general hospital, uh, Luke and Laura and, uh, Jesse and Angie. I mean, to be on there, that was like, wow. Um, I have to give kudos and thanks to her as well. And that would be, uh, Regina Lewison. But, um, I think that That's was great. My aha
1: I wanted to go into that. Um, what What was the experience like um, working on a soap opera? Because a lot we don't see a whole lot of black faces on there,
2: but when yep, we do yep. see them,
1: they pretty much stick with us because you know we start being their own personal cheerleaders. How was that experience?
2: Oh man, it was it was the best. Uh, first of all, living in New Jersey, I would take the um, I would either drive into the city or I'd take the bus and the train, and I would go down to the um, station, which has moved to. L.A. Um, It used to be down there on 50, no, 73rd Street, and you could see it um, right there on the Henry Hudson. Um, The building was right there where they shoot the view at now. The view was on one side, and all my children was on the other side. Um, You walk in, um, you give your name at the desk, they uh, ask you who you are and what you're doing, and you tell them, and they give you your script, and You go upstairs in the elevator and you go to um, the holding um, area for the extras and you sit there in the little cafeteria and you see Susan Lucci. You see, uh, or I should say Erica Kane, which is one and the same. Um, You see, um, Erica. Yeah. um, At that time when I first started there, um, Jesse and Angie were not there. Mm. Um, They had gone already. Um, But the uh, tall black guy with the dreads in his hair, Dad was the heartthrob, uh, and that's one of the him and, Yep, that's one of <laughs> and um <Yeah. clears throat> Kelly Ripper, who I was yeah. Kelly Ripper's assistant when I was on All My Children when she had the T V really? show and I would walk around with the headset. And um they didn't have a character name for me. I was what you call a featured extra. Um I would have maybe one line uh, under five they call it and I would say, you know, something like hey, get that over there, or, you know, yes, right away, you know, something like that, but it would be under five. And I would, I I loved it. I I was working at the barbershop, at Brennan's Barbershop, then in Inglewood, and guys used to tease me, oh, you're going to All My Children, he's not here today, he's he's going to All My Children. And you'd film it one day, and then within three weeks, it would come on. Um, They were, they like had a three-week buffer. So every show that you saw, wasn't a show that was taped that day, it was taped three weeks prior. So if something wow. happens to a character or they have a contract dispute or something, they can easily get that guy out of there. It'll only take uh-huh. a minute to to write him out. Um the writers were fantastic. I don't I was there when um um Kelly Ripper's character, um I can't even think of her name right now. I am having a senior moment. Anyway, um her and Mateo I, I
1: forgot her, um,
2: I'm yeah, her, um, now husband, her now husband. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> uh, when they started dating, that. um, I was cutting um, Willie Randolph's hair at Brennan's Barbershop and they used to go to Willie Randolph's house and, um, I want to say it's Pompton Lakes, uh, up there off of 17 in Jersey and they would meet and they would talk and they would, you know, hang out and then they would, um, come back separately and they got married, um, Nobody knew for a while and um it was it, it was just just great people. Um if you remember, um he played on Las Vegas, I'm gonna tell you it was uh, Josh DeMall. I remember his oh, first
1: Josh. day. Oh Josh. Yeah, ain't
2: Transformers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Yep, yep. I um remember his first day there. He was a little nervous and uh, he had his chip in his tooth and uh he was <laughs> like, You know, you think I should get it fixed And I was like, Nah, Josh, you're straight man, you're gonna be good. You're gonna be all right. Um, he's a little bit taller than me. He's about six four, um, about two hundred pounds. We played basketball together um, at the Reebok gym over there and on Broadway. Um, along with him and um, oh man, I can't think of his name now. Just great guys. Every everybody, Palmer Carlson was great. Um, oh. Everybody was nice. Everybody was nice to you. The, the security guard was nice to me. They got to know me on you know. Hey, Cal, what's going on? You in today? Yeah. I'm in today. Um, I'd shoot. They'd call me. I'd you know, do a day here. Sometimes I would do it two times a week, depending on how hot um, Kelly Ripper was, um, our character, how many times she made an appearance. And every time they did the TV show, they brought me in. Tad was cool. Palmer was cool. Um, I remember when um, Adam was playing it, him and his brother. I mean, he was the best, man. I mean, real, real good conversation. Um, there's etiquette on the set that you don't really talk to them unless they talk to you, and, you know, I was there so much that, you know, they would actually talk to me, and, uh, I had conversations with these people, and I, I appreciate everything that I was, um, given the opportunity to do. Wow. That A sounds amazing. Yeah, And did you really say is. that you
1: were also in General Hospital?
2: No, no, I was on All My Children, All My Children was filmed in New York, and, um, I want to say One Life to Live is still filmed in New York, and um, yeah. I did extra work on them, but nothing extensive. I was really on All My Children probably from 95 to probably like 2003, 2002. When Kelly Ripper got with um, Regis, that's when they, um, they stopped her character. She was doing both for a minute, and then she stopped.
1: Right. Well... I mean, it looks like it was a good decision on her part. I mean, she's just blown up since then, so that's good. Oh yeah. Now, um, what, what was your the next thing that you did after that?
2: Well, after um, being on my on on my children, I, I did a couple of um, short movies um, that were filmed in New York. Um, looking for work, <laughs> I must have worked on that for about two years. Um, the director and producer. Didn't have a whole lot of money, and we used to go shoot around New York and the whole nine yards. Um, real good um, dude. Um, I, don't, I, I still think he's still working on it. <laughs> Maybe ten years <laughs> later. Um, when I was um, married, I my ex-wife wanted to come down here to Atlanta, and um, I didn't want to do it because I thought I was a hot tamale in New York, and um, I had done a couple of things, but when I came down here, um, I got the opportunity to meet with uh, Hattie Lemon, and uh, she's a casting director down here. And she auditioned me, auditioned me for a part in a short movie. And she said, "You know what? You're not really right, you know, for this." And I was like, "Oh wow, here I am. I'm not getting no work." And um, she said, "But no, 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 no. I got something else for you. I'm getting ready to do this crime um, drama called." Atlanta Homicide, I want you to play a detective. I was like, can I be the detective, you know, out of control detective that comes from Jersey or New York? Because (laughs) my my accent's not real heavy, but you can tell that I'm not from down here. So she was like, yeah, we'll see. You know, give us a couple of months and we'll do it. I also drove all the way to Miami. I left Atlanta on a Saturday night and drove all the way to Miami. I got to Miami. It takes about 12 hours to get there from here. I drove by myself to audition for this movie um, called, let me get my resume out here. It's so funny. Um, I might have even taken it off. Um, it's a comedy. Oh, I think and I, I can't think of it right now. And um, I drove down there and I auditioned and they gave me the part and we shot, we shot as much as we could a couple of different weekends. And that really got me motivated to do what I do again once I got down here. Because when I first got down here, I thought I was going to become a cop. Or um, down here, you can become a sheriff or a cop at any age. There's no age requirement. Wow. You're in great physical condition. Hmm. So here I am. I mean, I'm I'm here. I'm working hard. Uh, I got a couple of things going on. Um, independent movie-wise, um, the market down here is is decent. But a lot of actors, and I don't want them to get this misconstrued. What happens is, us as Atlanteans, going for the roles that they're casting here. Mm -hmm. There are California actors and New York actors and actors from other parts of the country flying here just to be in these movies that are a lot more seasoned than we are, and that's why you don't see a lot of Atlanteans um, getting cast in these roles. Wow. Um, Your Tyler Perry movies, you see mostly um, B-list or C-list actors getting a shot is because at... The level that I am now, I'm a great independent movie actor, but I'm just an okay um, mainstream television and movie actor. So I'm about D-list right now. <laughs> so I'm trying to get to C and B, and, you know, God, God's hand is on me. I should get to A.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you just keep striving, and you get wherever it is that you want to be, and just keep adding to your resume. You have a pretty lengthy resume, and it's, it's a lot of things that you've done. Now, uh, give us some um, information on, you know, the experience you had on uh, American Gangster. I mean, you you said you are only going to wow. be seen in a short uh, period of time, but what was your character?
2: Oh, my God. First, let me remember the movie that I did in Miami was The Catch. And, um, you might be able to see a couple of uh, clips of that on my website or you might be able to go to YouTube. I think she's got, um, a couple, um, of, uh scenes put up there. I am in Atlanta cutting hair at a barbershop and I get a call from the casting director. He says, Hey, Cal, can you come up? Um, I want to shoot this scene. Um, uh, call me back in half an hour and I'll let you know if it's concrete or not because I had to get an airplane ticket. Um, I called him back. He said, no, no, we're not going to do it. We're probably going to do it another two or three weeks. Be ready. I said, no problem, no problem. He called me again. He says, okay, we're going to do it. Uh, we want you to play the major d' of uh, Denzel Washington's restaurant, and um, we're going to hire you for three days or two days. It was two days. And um, I flew up. I got me a buddy pass. I you know, did whatever I had to do to get there. I get there. I stayed with a good friend of mine, Don Thompson, the photographer, He's really um, a great photographer. If anybody's interested in a New York photographer, it's www.dracinc.com. Excellent photographer. John is a a wonderful human being. So I get here, and um, I plop down on Don's couch. I sleep on Don's couch, and I go to set. Now, I knew that it was a period piece, so you know me. I got my hair picked out. Uh, My hair is about maybe three inches long. I let my facial hair grow and had it in like a full man chew with the mud chop sideburns. I get to hair and makeup. Man, they had hair and and makeup for days. Top mm-hmm. top notch budget. Um, they had a, a warehouse full of clothes. Um, they asked me what size that was and they brought a couple of outfits and I got a wardrobe approval. I had the three-piece polyester suit on with the reversible vest with the, the two different colored slacks with it. I, you know, I was the 1970s. And if you go to my website, you'll be able to see a couple of shots from that American Gangster. I'm posing by some of the old cars over there. While I was there, first day of shooting, um, Cuba Gooding Jr. was there. Um, that's when he comes into the restaurant, um, comes into um, Denzel Washington's um, place, handing out, um, Magazine with his picture on it. Um, a lot of the stuff that they did, they cut out. Um, um, uh, well, I can't think of his name. Um, he did the, he did the soundtrack, um, and there was a bass player. That he had he looked like Bootsy Collins. He had the big afro and the mud chop sideburns. I mean, it was it was beautiful. Um, Denzel Washington was there that day. Um, the next day, I'm sorry, and um, T.I. was there. Uh, Common was there, uh, uh, Fab Five Freddy was there, um, you know, a couple of other cats were there. Um, I can't pronounce the guy's name, the African guy that usually plays with Denzel. It, um, Denzel smacks him up because he I remember
1: him. Yeah, I remember him. Yeah. yeah, I can't pronounce um, his name either, but I, like, so I love him.
2: <laughs> when, when the um, lead uh, girl of Denzel was involved with, she was Miss... Dominican Republic or Puerto Rico yeah. or something. Oh, man, oh. she, in person, is a very beautiful but also very skinny. She gets yeah. walked in by Joe Lewis the champ. So in the mm-hmm. scene that we shot, I go, hey, hey, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. The champ is here. The champ is here. And then um, the band says, oh, you know, Joe Lewis is here. Let's have a round of applause for Joe Lewis. blah, 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 blah. The camera is on me sitting her down, and then the champ walks her over to Denzel to introduce her. They uh, Mm -hmm. dance, I believe, and then the next scene is you see me standing in the doorway while Denzel is talking to her in the co-check room, and Mm -hmm. he's interested in her, and I was in that scene, and that was, I did not want to leave. I did not want to take the wardrobe off. I did not want to take the mud (laughs) chops off. I thought I was, you know, uh, looking at the pictures, when my mom seen him, she was like, you look just like your father." I said, "Yeah, yeah, I was." I, I love the '70s. The '70s was. Uh, if I ever do a period piece, I would love to do something in the '60s and '70s. I had the opportunity to um, to do a character, and the uh, film didn't go through. Uh, I'm really disappointed that that didn't happen, but you know, it's in God's hands. We'll see what happens.
1: Well, I mean, that was a, a great experience right there. I mean, just to even if it was a, a millisecond, just to be on the same set, you know, just watching Denzel do his thing and, you know, all those other actors. I mean, that that right I mean, there. I've been, I've been
2: pretty blessed. Cold. I um, used to do security yeah. at the Cheetah Club in New York, and I used to do a security, I used to do the door at NV, for those that may know or may not know. Um, and Denzel was in NV um, one time. And I walked up to him. I said, hey, you know, how you doing, Mr. Washington? You know, you're in town doing something. He said, oh, you know, I'm just hanging out, calling cool out, asking what he's doing a class or anything, just trying to start a conversation. And, he, you know, he talked to me. He never had security at that point. At that time, he didn't have security. And I said to myself, one day I'm going to work with him. And, you know, this is how God works. I didn't actually – I was there on set with him. I wasn't in the – I was actually in the scene sort of, kind of. But it was, it was coming, <laughs> it's coming, it was coming, it was coming, I mean,
1: well, you know, he's not going to stop acting. He's still doing his thing, so you still got opportunities oh, yeah. Lord, coming opportunities. at you. One
2: no, of my uh,
1: guests, it. one of my uh, previous guests was also in that movie. Um, I don't know if you'll remember her. She played a waitress in one of the scenes. Her name is uh, Beverly Bonner, and uh, she's, a, she's a seasoned actress as well, but she's done a lot of B movies. She did a movie mm-hmm. called Basky Case back in the, um, Mm -hmm. I think that was the 80s. But she was, let me see, she's a fair-skinned woman. I think at the time her hair might have just been like a light brown or something like that, but she played a waitress in the movie. And I think um, she had a speaking role, but I don't recall what she said. I I don't think it was a Mm -hmm. big role, but Mm -hmm. she said that Denzel was very kind and always made sure that the camera was going to, you know, keep a shoot with her in it, mm-hmm. because um, I guess they
2: had talked to somebody, but well, she was in a Ridley, couple of Ridley, things with him. Mm-hmm. Ridley Scott was um, the director on that, and a lot of times, you know, the editing gods are not so kind. Um, I've had the opportunity to be cut out of a lot of things, but, you know, hey, you know, I was there, I got a check, you know, it's on my resume. Mm-hmm. Um, it's for real. You know, a lot of people do embellish, but, you know, I did um, a video for More Better Blues with Spike Lee, and I did a commercial in the airport for American Express with Spike Lee, but he was like, hey, uh, excuse me, sir, I was like, "Uh, yes, Mr. Lee, he was like, can you just um, step back a little bit more, Uh, no, 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 a little bit more, no, 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 Uh, a little bit more, because the lead guy was a black guy, and he said, you know, can't have two good-looking black guys in the same, you know, in the same frame, so need you to stand back so we can barely make you out. And he kept it real. I mean, it, it happened. <laughs> I mean, I, I got experiences of the yin-yang. I used to cut Eddie Murphy's hair um, in the um, right before he got married. I went to his wedding. I cut everybody in the wedding party except for him. And, um, and uh, Scott Julian did his hair. But I did everybody else. I did his two brothers, um, his father at the time, Mr. Lynch. And, is that um, the
1: house in North Jersey?
2: Yes, it is. Hill.
1: Yeah, I, I yeah, I passed that house once. I got, I was driving through a road where I could look up on the house, and it was like sitting way up on like the mm-hmm. hill, 'cause there's
0: Absolutely. a lot of
1: hills Absolutely. out there. Mm-hmm. And that house so bad. It wasn't that far from Whitney Houston's house. Not that far. I mean, hers is. I think she has one in Princeton, but it's not that far. I mean, it's like what less than two
2: hours. No, um, in the area that that Eddie lived in in Inglewood in Cliffs, which is really Inglewood, he li- lived in Inglewood. It goes, um, for reference, it's Teaneck, Inglewood, mm-hmm. Inglewood Cliffs, and then Fort Lee, and then there's George Russell Bridge. In his area, uh, George Benson lived up there. I believe the movie Scarface, when they shot, um, when Scarface was like, you know, come and get me, and was sniffing the coke on the desk, that house yeah. is around the corner from Eddie Murphy's house.
1: You so, mean the house um, that at the end of the movie?
2: at the end of the movie where he shoots up and he's shooting the people on the ground and everything. He's got the machine gun Uh and he's sniffing the coke. He's got his face in the coke. That that house is right there in Inglewood. Um, Oh, get out.
1: I'm going to have to go up there and check it out. (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah. You can see it. There's no fence around it, but see, Eddie's house, the way it's positioned, you can't see it if you're at, the, at eye level with it, you have to go above it, like yeah. you said, and look down on it. But yeah, the house we is beautiful. Were way
0: up in the cut somewhere, looking at that house. Yeah, I yeah it, but we Absolutely. It? But
1: it's some beautiful homes up there. My girlfriend oh, does, yeah. um Orange, and um, she goes out that way to go shopping or whatever. We went mm-hmm. and, and out to yeah
2: uh, hmm Yeah, absolutely. North Jersey is there. is is a bomb, but I wouldn't buy no house there. I, I would buy a house in oh, in Atlanta. Street. Oh, a, yes, that's which you want to buy, for, property. For, for $600,000, so you need the same-size <laughs> house.
1: With some land around it and some trees.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Now, you were also in um, Why Did I Get Married? and you, you played um, uh, I was the
2: doctor, doctor at the table. the table. Yeah, you got to embellish on your resume a little bit.
1: I saw you that
2: movie. <laughs> now, if you got the first edit of it, you see me for uh-huh. a long time, but if you get the, the recent edit of it, you're not going to see me because I look right into the camera because I, I'm going to tell you, and people who do extra work, they'll tell you, you know, you get there, you're standing there all day. They did not use me until I got there at like maybe 6 o'clock that evening, and they did not use me until almost 4, 30, 5 o'clock that morning mm. and then released us before it became 12 hours. So we only get paid the sixty dollars. It's 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 bad down here because it's not unionized in Georgia. Georgia. Georgia's a right to work state for anybody that's coming mm-hmm. down here. So if you're a union it does you you can get paid union pay, but most union people work for non union pay, which is I believe sixty five dollars or seventy five dollars for a twelve hour day. Which is
0: nothing. Oh, that's crazy. That is working at the bank.
2: Yeah, I, I don't. If you get the
1: part, if they show you, if you show up in the movie,
0: yeah, yeah, it's,
2: it's it's nice. But if you if you're working a job that you make triple that, and you just got bills to pay and miles to feed, it makes it a little bit different. Now on that set, um, Roger Bob, who is Tyler Perry's right hand man, um, was directing mm-hmm. while um, Tyler Perry was in in his tuxedo because they were all there. Um I'm not gonna say I'm good friends, but I I am a friend of um Malik Yoba. Um mm-hmm. and um I've taken classes with Tasha Smith, who's also who plays the uh the crazy uh wife. That um, crazy uh, woman. Yeah, exactly. She's beautiful. Wow. So she, she also has she a, I a love 20 her. 20 I love
1: what she does. 20. She's an advocate too.
2: Yes. Yes She's she is. Yes she is. She's um a great, she's got a great spirit. Um, with her. um, she also has a twin sister that a lot of people don't know. Really? Yes, she does. Wow. She's An acting coach as well, and an independent film um, filmmaker as well.
1: Wow. I'm trying to actually get her on the show because I wanted to um, go into some of the things she does outside of acting, because I mm-hmm. saw her on a, a program. Uh, yeah, I was just on a cable program, and let's uh, see the cable PBS, one of those. But um, she was talking about you know the things that she's working on, and um, I, I love an actor that acts so well at a car as a character that I either can't stand them or I love them.
0: So mm-hmm. when you Absolutely. play a
1: role <laughs> of somebody that I just want somebody to just take and just put tape your mouth shut, or kill you off or whatever, then you are good. If you Absolutely. make me just cannot stand you. If, if you just make me cry, like Demi Moore could make me cry, diminish a tear falls down her face, because she just had such a sweet face back in the day when she would do these little girly roles, and like it was so well, emotional. a lot of
2: people. She started on um, on um General Hospital.
1: I know, I was watching her, and that's why it made me a fan of her, because I was a big fan of her. I'm a big General Hospital fan, period. Like, the, all the ABC stories were my favorites. Like, all my children mm-hmm. would like to live in General Hospital. So to see all those don't people that Ryan's were Hope on soap in the movies. Huh?
2: Don't, don't forget Ryan's Hope now. I used to come on at Yeah, uh, Ryan's um, Hope was, well, was one of
1: my favorites, too. That was one of my mm-hmm. favorites. You know, I mean, I'm, I wasn't into all of them. I mean, I did watch The On The Restless, too. That was another one. And Santa Barbara. But um, uh, only because it's A. Martinez, I loved him back in the day. Um, and then I like to see, you know, an actor go from one soap to the other, play like a totally different role. Because um, the girl who played, um, uh, what's the girl who broke up Angie and Jesse? Vanessa Bell Campbell's um, character yeah. name.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I, if I ever meet her, I just want to tell her have hated her for years. Because of that role, and I was because I was I was very young then, and I loved Angie and Jesse, and I couldn't stand her, and and like I've seen her in other movies, and I thought like, oh, she's such a good actress, I like her and everything else, but I couldn't stand her and all my children, just like I couldn't stand the girl plays Bobby Spencer on General Hospital, I couldn't stand her because she broke up um, with Laura and she was causing so many problems and all that. But I mean that's because they act There's nothing wrong with watching up. soap operas,
2: guys. Well, I'm gonna tell you a secret. Well, uh, I'm a gonna of let you the basketball back,
0: basketball.
2: dudes. You gotta watch soap operas so you can stay in touch with these women. Because when I was in in college, <laughs> I did not take class between 12:30 and four o'clock. And that was before Oprah was coming on, I believe.
1: Uh-huh. Um, I don't want to date
2: myself. Well, maybe it wasn't. Maybe Oprah was coming on. I just wasn't watching it then. Oprah
1: come on at four o'clock, and everything else come on before
2: her. <laughs> mm-hmm. Get them soap operas in there. You know what they you know what the women are talking about. Get you, get you, get your Oprah on too. It's very uh-huh. very important that you know what's I going on in the world. I think men need to watch Oprah. I think oh, men yeah. need
1: to watch Oprah
2: because if they if advocate. they don't
1: want to be bashed, they need to know what they're talking about in the first place.
2: Exactly. Because a lot That'd of times she's
1: anti man So read that you know, old
2: magazine too. Get yourself get <laughs> yourself vested. Get yourself some smart. You watch Tara too and watch um. Um, Ellen DeGeneres. because oh, you, you, gotta a lot watch Ellen. you gotta watch Dr. You gotta watch Dr. Phil. No, you can't, Ellen. I love her, but she is not a dancer. Somebody taught her one well, move, and, and yeah, she, just, yeah. she, she done ran with it. And that's how my and my, jumping
1: up and down.
2: <laughs> my caucasian brothers and sisters do. You teach her one move, boy, and they hot on it. They keep on doing it through the eighties, nineties, and, and, and the 2010s. <laughs> I know that's how it works,
1: but uh, you know, I mean, they they try, they try. I mean, they they put out their own version of um, Stop the Yard, and you got served with that movie Step Up, and and that was the best they could do. So whatever, well, <laughs> but it was good well, though. It was good. It made a star. That young uh-huh. man is in there. He's he's a star now. So, um, let me ask you this: What? How do you feel about um, reality TV? You know the the way it brings. A, you know, invisible people out to the
2: forefront, so to say. Well, um, you know, America, and I should say society in a whole, all over the world, will watch a train wreck. Everybody wants to be witness to the train wreck. And that's why these reality shows are working, because there are so many people that want to see the cat fighting and the backstabbing and the this and the that. Um, that's what makes these reality shows popular. And that's what makes these reality stars reality stars. But if you really think about it, these are the people that don't have any training. They haven't invested themselves. Um, That's why a lot of actors don't want to act with these people, um, that they have to go away and come back again. You can't name one reality star who has made a name for themselves as a legitimate actor. I, I can't think of one. And you can say Amorosa all day, but Amorosa is not an actress. Amorosa <laughs> is a is a is a brand that is making her way through the reality ranks. But nobody yeah. will take her seriously. Oh, one,
1: one I can gosh. remember
2: when um Eddie Murphy, who is a comic genius, was mm-hmm. trying to sing. Nobody I remember. him <laughs> as a singer. No. I
1: like the, the song, be honest with you, I thought it was kind of
2: cute, and I love the beat but i was I was biased, but he used to be was. in his ba- he used to be in the basement of his mansion. he has a full <laughs> studio down there he had um different people come in, different celebrities. i mean i I've seen being at Eddie Murphy's house, I've seen a handful of celebrities singers, musicians, actors, and um a couple of actresses come through there, and he was so serious about that music thing. I felt sorry for him because he really wanted to be taken <laughs> seriously on the music tip. And as you can see, when he did um, Dream Girls, yeah. he, he, he slayed him. He slayed him. That part was made he for did. him.
1: It was, but you know what? I still saw a little James Brown impersonations in and, and him when he did that performance and yeah, I couldn't yeah. really take it
0: that <laughs> I couldn't take
1: it serious because it just reminded me so much of when he was portraying um, James Brown on Saturday Night Day. Live <laughs> yeah I, I couldn't I couldn't see him I was like they nominated him for an Oscar for that he just thought why didn't they give it to him when an uh, Emmy or something when he did all that stuff on Saturday Night Live yeah, I mean it was just uh, about the same thing only he didn't do that
2: <laughs> the trick to getting a, a, a Emmy nominated for an Emmy is to have your um your show as a com a, a dramedy, which is drama slash comedy. That's how um um the show that comes on Sunday is yeah, 30, um, no,
1: 30, 30, no,
2: Thirty Rock. 30, 50, Thirty Rock is a little bit and, different, um, but it's the same type of premise, and the same thing with um the Housewives, um, Mysteria Lane. Oh my God. That's how they got
1: nominated because it yeah, was a, That's a for Housewives. That's just, my just show. For Housewives. Okay, <laughs> all right. Well, I haven't Here watched the go. last two seasons. Um the last season I watched was when um my girl was on there. Um Nicole, um, I mean Nicolette, I call her Nicole, but I've loved her ever since back in the day, um, with um you know, the, the um uh, Knotts Landing. So mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. I loved her on Not Landing, and I, when I found out she was on Nicole, uh, Nicolette Sheridan, <laughs> when she was on Not nice Landing, I loved her on As Page, and then um, to see her on a regular show again, she looks great. And then I saw her play a comedian—well, not a comedian, but her her role was funny when she was on Codename name the Cleaner with Cedric. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um and I and I love Washer, but when they killed the Ross, I said she was very like a, a, a almost like a major supporting character. And then to me, the show fell apart a little bit after she left. They didn't get anybody else that could give that much power to the you know the presence of those women. I mean, like uh-huh. they just became ordinary girls to me after that. Like I mean, I could see them living in the neighborhood around where I live. At. It didn't make them special because they were on TV, but. I just think she was like a very strong background character that they didn't give too much to, but that last season she was on, they let her get killed off. She just put a lot of it in there to make you want to watch the show. But now it's like, I have no interest in it. So that the other characters do not hold my interest that long. They've changed so much. They're not, they're all over the place. So, you know, but anyway, um, for something like that, you know, there's not a, a given that a TV show is going to be a
0: hit.
2: No, never. And, um, and, and when you see like these lost, people you're like, lost. Oh, they're a new summer, blah, blah, blah. But a lot of people yeah. have been on Broadway, have done plays, have been
0: mm-hmm. grinding,
2: doing these B, B, B films, um, like myself, um, given the opportunity, we're gonna you know, we're gonna come up. Like I said, it takes eighteen years to be an overnight success.
1: <laughs> it sure does. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know so many um things going on right now. it looks like they're trying to like uh, create more shows because a lot of people are just losing interest in some of the reality shows um they're getting real crazy with the reality shows like they're they're just like just out of control. And I really prefer to watch a real TV show. It's like the the uh, cable networks are taking over when it comes to real TV because they have a lot of cool things on there like Criminal Minds and, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they have Law and Order went over there because they want to take it off of regular TV. Um, I mean, it's like so many other different things you can watch on cable as opposed to the regular local channels. You know, they're losing ground. And they're putting all these reality shows on. only reality show that I really like is not really necessarily a reality show, but I love Extreme Home Makeover. Because mm-hmm. that that's somewhat of a reality because of the story of the family that they support. Although um, the characters crying, you know, like the uh, mm-hmm. the the, people, mm-hmm. the construction workers crying and stuff like that. You know, I mean, I understand being touched, but they cry every episode.
2: So... Well, um, You have to understand something. When you... Take something old and tear it down, and the process of rebuilding it, and then seeing the joy in the people's Mm faces—that that that is that is what makes us human. Absolutely, I understand that. I wish they could come out. I was watching um, To's show last night, and To was crying. Yeah. But see, and then this
1: is another you, thing. athletes are now get they don't get enough money. They got to get TV. They got to become so, stars. TV stars. Yeah, now I don't want to watch you on TV. I want to watch you on TV playing the basketball well, or football. I don't want to watch you acting because now well, you get more money. they're
2: trying to make a transition, trying to oh, make a transition, and trying to make a transition, and um you got to do it the
1: right way. Go take acting lessons and become an actor. Do it the way real actors do it. You know, I I hate when they take somebody's celebrity that has nothing to do with acting and then mold them into an actor. It's called
2: called show business. Don't ever get twisted. There's show (laughs) and then there's business. And Mm -hmm. the people that they're bringing in have already have a, a, a following. That's why we're all these actors and musicians and everything, trying to get all these people on Facebook and MySpace and Twitter following them so they can show them that, hey, I've got a following of people that don't know me on just this level, but once they do know me, I'm going to be able to put behinds in the seats to sell tickets. That's why they took the, there was an era from 1990 to, to 2005 where they were putting rappers in every movie, having uh, appearances and everything because they thought that they were going to sell tickets. And they found out that these guys, they can't hold it. They can't compete with the people of the season. So now you've got to hire an acting coach to coach them on, on, while they're doing the film. And sometimes you lose transition because on a film you're working every day and you're not able to grasp what your teacher is teaching you and you're, you're just getting a taste of it. You're not getting a full meal. So what we get when they when you see the performance is you're not getting a full meal. Your greatest um, actor who has um, transcended from rapper to accomplished actor is Will Smith. You say what you want to say, dude. He hasn't made a flop yet.
1: No. Not what they well not what I would um, consider a flop. I mean they mentioned West Wild What was, was I love it he, he doesn't even like Wild Wild West. I don't understand that. He said that be, on um,
2: O
0: Yeah.
2: I he want to do that. He said he didn't Wild like
1: West. that. Who you tell it? I love, I I just I bought the D V D and every time I watched the movie I had to watch the video. Because I love that video. Every time they played it on MTV, I had to get up and dance with Will Smith because I loved that video. And Cisco, Drew Hill in the video, I mean, I just loved it. And I don't understand how Will thought that was, like, one of the worst movies he ever did. You I know, mean,
2: cause he, I don't I don't think that he I, thought that it, it was what the critics said because it didn't do the box office numbers they expected it to do.
1: Right, but he actually he, mentioned that himself when he was talking to um, Kathy that, that she asked him about all the movies that he did. Uh, which one did he think was that she did he think was not the best that he's done? And he said it was Wild Wild West, and I was like, "Are you kidding me? That was like the coolest movie, you know? I mean, he was so cool. We don't see black cowboys, you know. Mm-hmm. Last time we saw a cool black cowboy was uh, Mario Van Peebles on Posse. That was the last wow. time. It was like every ten every ten I years I don't, I get I don't, a cool I don't know if cow-
2: Mario Van Peebles is a cool cowboy. I'd rather go he's with a somebody cool like him
1: and Pumadoe.
2: I mean, Big Daddy
1: Kane. Big Daddy Kane was in there. He, he's not even an actor. He's just a, a rapper or whatever. But um, he was so cool just, you know, just being in it. But I'm saying, you know, we don't have any major roles for Westerns anymore. And when we do, we never have any black people in it as a serious role. I mean, Blair Underwood was in a Western with and posse too, but he, you know, he wasn't playing a cowboy, anything like that. He was playing like kind of, I don't know what the heck he was, but I mean, we rarely ever get Silverado. I mean, we did have Danny Glover and Silverado. Um, It's not that often that we get anything like that, you know, just like we'll never see too many black Kung Fu movies. So
2: Well, Will put his foot in it with Karate Kid. Yeah,
1: see, and we got another generation. And um, I, I was happy that they, they put a twist on it having an African-American uh, person playing the lead role. I thought so that was Absolutely.
2: wonderful. Absolutely. So
1: I haven't seen the movie yet, but I will um, eventually before it leaves the theaters. But uh, I love Jaden anyway, and I think he has a promise in the future and um Oh, yeah, movie.
2: definitely. Uh- he His of father very, are marketing him like you wouldn't believe. I mean, he has an agent there. They are there doing major things. Um, the family is very talented.
1: They are. I'm going to so work with him one day. Absolutely. Well, Will is just wonderful anyway, and uh, I just can't believe he has a teenage son. I mean, I'm just he still looks very, very young to me, and we're not that far apart in age. And actually, we grew up in the same community. And um, mm-hmm. my cousin used to play basketball with Will Smith, uh, and they used to hang out. But then um, they—it was around the time when young men are, are checking out females, and um, this female that um, Will Smith was really liking also liked my cousin. So because she chose to go towards my cousin instead of Will, they sort of like kind of, you know, fell apart from each other. So I uh, say so you never know what a person you you befriend or this friend will be in the future.
2: That's you right. know,
1: and you should My always treat people people.
2: keep people fair. That's right, all, you, that's all, you all your do. life. All your life.
1: That's right, because they remember everything. So, I mean, that's mm-hmm. just the way it is. So You're now, um, in talking about your career, what would you say was your favorite role that you've ever portrayed?
2: Well, my favorite role I ever portrayed, I didn't get a chance to actually do it. Um I had an opportunity to play Wilson Pickett in the Wilson Pickett story. And what happened was there was a Craigslist or a casting call that said uh lead role $125,000 uh female lead $120,000. I'm thinking, man, this is it. I'm I'm going, I'm going to Hollywood. You can't stop me. <laughs> I I submit my little tape. You'll be able to see that on my website. Uh, I got a a fluorescent pink jacket and a wide mustache and a afro acting like Wilson Pickett, who is probably five inches shorter than me and and five shades darker than me. But you couldn't tell me when I was auditioning that I didn't embody Wilson Pickett. I went through the process. And any good actor or anybody that wants to be a good actor or a great actor, you have to do your homework. Um, What I did is at that time I had my manager, Tasha, Tasha, um, do all the research to find out Wilson Pickett everything. I I was the only one that found Wilson Pickett actually speaking. Um, Dan Aykroyd um, had a radio show um, called The Blues Brothers, and he had Wilson Pickett on it, and he had an interview with Wilson Pickett. And Wilson Pickett's voice I got down. Um, I watched the uh, videos of him being on uh, David Letterman. I watched um, as much and looked at as much footage on YouTube as I could to get down his movements and his his speech pattern. Um, That was my ultimate, ultimate so far playing a role. I was, oh, my God, I was so drenched When I went to, we had to go to Virginia to meet with the uh, producer and casting director and, I guess, director, who had the rights to the Wilson Pickett story. And um, I went up there and I did my thing. I mean, you couldn't, they couldn't tell me I wasn't Wilson Pickett, even though, like I said, I'm five inches taller than he is. And I'm about, um, he was about four or five shades darker than me. But I had it down. And um, I really, really, if I ever get the opportunity or get, you know, 15 cent over lunch money, I'm going to try to produce it myself and do the story because that was such a great challenge for me. And I'm not a singer, but I, I am I, I feel that I had the embodied the spirit of Wilson Pickett. Uh, Wilson Pickett was a womanizer. He did a lot of drugs and was drinking. I mean he was all over the place. Um and I really wanted the opportunity to portray him. Now, um the role that I've played so far, thank you. The role that I played so far, I would have to say is Detective Bryce on Atlanta Homicide. Um, he's a lot like me but I uh, had the opportunity to build him from the ground up as an actor. He had very little um, character um, breakdown of him, so I had to create it myself, and I I thought I did a very good job. Um, I've always loved and was intrigued by police work and detectives and things of that nature. My friends in Jersey were cops. I have two brothers that are in the sheriff's department. Um, I have people around me that I kind of mimicked, um, Dave Bowman, who was the chief of police in Inglewood. Uh, I watched him do a lot of things. Uh, he used to come in the barbershop and his, his mannerisms, um, love of hack and sack, Police Department. I mean, I, I really, 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 really pulled from all those people the wit and the, the mannerisms and the, um, the play on words and the things that they would say. So I, I had a real, real um, fun time. An opportunity shooting that. And that was the first thing I was the lead and carry it, because what happened was there were four of us. And you see the first um, picture of Atlanta Homicide is two um, white guys, a female who is Angelina Cortez, played the female detective, and I played the black detective. And the two white detectives wanted to be paid. And since it was an independent project, there wasn't enough money in the budget. As a matter of fact, there was no money in the budget. I felt that <laughs> it was an opportunity for me to be a supporting character in a, in the TV series. So I stayed aboard. And what happened is once they fell to the wayside, they started gearing all the the rest of the shows towards me being the lead. And me and Angelina Cortez carried the show. And um, there were other people brought in um, to support the Atlanta homicide. And, you know, you can't, Ask people that you're not paying to, to alter their schedules, but there were a lot of people that did alter their schedule and um, were able to uh, come and support it. I think it was a very good project. It's, it's low budget, but it it was it was a good it was a good feed, and I think that was the most um, one of my favorite roles. And now I'm playing a character who is a. I've been as I've gotten older, I've been casted as a bad guy. Um, I played a pedophile in this movie. Um, that I did, and I also got the opportunity to play a womanizer who is an abusive boyfriend in the healing house that I'm working on right now. And uh, it's it's a, you know being a bad guy is fun. Um, it takes a lot of energy out of you. Um, anything that is not of your character, you really have to dig down deep for it to be believable. And when people see this, they will be like, Oh my God, that can't be Cal. He's such a nice guy. He would never. But um, I showed my tail in this one. So mm-hmm. you guys look for that. Some pictures up this, on my, um, I Facebook. saw
1: one of the reels that you did when you were in the car with a woman. I don't know if you were kidnapping her or what, but uh, she was in there uh, telling you to let her things. out. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh,
1: and you kind of like back back slapped her or punched her with your elbow or something and yeah, knocked he her, her out.
2: to the grill and knocked out and put tape on her. <laughs>
1: I had to keep rewinding and I said, Well what happened to the girl? And and I didn't even realize that you had knocked her out with your elbow and well, uh knocked
2: out and taped her <laughs> up and brought her in one of my reels you only see me knock you only see me get slapped and in the second reel you see me get slapped and then you see me take a knife and untape her and um it about that press
0: Yeah, yeah
2: Unforgiven Sins that is. That was a good movie as well. Um I played um the uh right hand man to the main character. And that was a that was a fun role too wow
1: now how do you um prepare yourself for a role um when you when you're about to do something especially something in, as serious as that well
2: when it's when it's serious and when it's not serious, you have to prepare yourself <laughs> um, you wanna read the script um front to back several times to get an understanding of what happened in the story and how your character um Weaves his way Through the fabric of the story Uh, I always want to be As believable and as Authentic as possible I made some mistakes in the beginning Of Atlanta Homicide Because we didn't have anybody that was Of uh, police background I just went by what I saw on TV And what I had known And some common sense Um, For the role Of um, Vinny In this healing house this, is, this is, He's a bad, he's a bad, he's a bad, bad man. Um, he um, is very, very abusive, but he's also very, very charming. So you have two opposites. I had to be very, very charming in the beginning, which I used the charming to get the girl. Then to keep her, I'm still charming, and then gradually I start getting abusive. But I, I still am charming. Um, to everybody else, I seem like a regular guy, who's. but I am a terror behind closed doors. Black in the mm-hmm. eyes, I'm blacking her eyes, I'm bloodying her up, I'm, I'm beating her up, I'm, I'm doing a lot of things, dragging her around the house. It's bad. It's just bad business. So in order to prepare for that, I had to um, envision all the things that I've seen in my life experiences, and I just want to say I take my hat off the child or children actors that have to play roles that are above their experience level because you have mm-hmm. to have a, imagination. You have to go somewhere to get that character and make it look believable. Um, I um, went into my memory bank as um, a child seeing um, some abuse um, of people, seeing things on TV, um, seeing violent um, portrayals on TV, um, Larry Fishburne. He, he was, you know, he was whipping Tina's ass as turned Turner.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. And um, I pulled a little bit from that. You, you pull a little bit of this, you pull a little bit of that, you sprinkle this in there, and when you sprinkle all those ingredients and you come out with the character, but like you said, you like to see people portray people that either you love or you hate. And Vinny in this one, you are going to love to hate him. Because what happens is he's very charming, very charismatic, very polite, such a gentleman. And then he turns into, he's you know, Helter Skelter. I mean, he's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. The, the, the slightest thing sets him off. And um, I uh, commend the people that I work with, the camera crew, um, makeup this time. Um, I had the opportunity to do some of the makeup. You'll see some of the pictures on my Facebook where I put the black and blue bruises on her and got the blood, um, as an actor, and you're working in a situation where there's not a big budget and there's not a makeup artist, you gotta be, you gotta roll your sleeves up and get in there. Like mm-hmm. a lot of the wardrobe is, I mean, you should say all the wardrobe is mine in this particular, and all the things that I've normally done, the wardrobe has been mine. Um, I try to save everything that I have and try to put it in my. A lot of the things I shoot are from like '90 to 2010. Um, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just a regular guy Trying to get in there And um, you have to be prepared Preparation is the key Same thing when you go on auditions You've got to be prepared Your mind has to be cleared And that's the only thing You can be thinking about Now it's very hard And very difficult When you have to hold down a job And do 40 hours And you've got responsibilities You've got children That you have to take care of it, That they need things And their babies' mamas Want you to give them things That you have to focus on All of that but yet you have to take a piece of you and put it into that character so when you audition, that character comes through so that people can see. A lot of the things that I've been getting have been given to me because people have met with me or they've seen some of my stuff and said, I want him to play this character. I know he can do it. Um, Dee was nice enough. She made my part bigger in her first project where I played the pedophile because I was so scary that it was ridiculous. You know, People at the end of the thing were booing me when they found out it was me because I didn't look like the same guy in the movie as when I showed up. So um, there you have it. You have to preparation is the key.
1: Now let me ask you this. How did you prepare yourself to portray a crackhead? Oh,
2: oh, that is so much Because <laughs> I let thought those the
1: pictures that I got were a mistake because, it's a, you. I mean, it's like you went straight out Tyrone on there, you know, or that Dave Chappelle uh, character. With yeah. the ashy lips
2: and everything. Yeah. And so I had an opportunity to work with Dave Chappelle, um I cut his hair when he was in New York doing his show and I mm-hmm. saw the makeup that they did, the makeup artist, how he did it, and um the makeup artist that did that for um the the piece was originally called Taj Mahal. And um they changed it to addicted. Um and I played the drug addict. Um She did not want to hire me. She did not want to use me. She said, Cal, you look too good to be a crackhead. I said, let me tell you something. I said, I can play anything from an astronaut to a zoologist. If I say I can do it, I can do it. So she said, okay, I'm going to have somebody else there, but you show up and you show me what you can do. And I came in there, and I put my shirt in the dirt and rubbed it around and had jeans and some old Timberlands on, and my hair was, you know, I usually wear my hair curly, So I picked my hair out and matted my hair, and she put the makeup on me and blackened my eye and put the the powder around my mouth like I was eating donuts. I was getting (laughs) in it, boy. And I'm going to tell you, which was even funnier, is that when we shot that in that alley, there was a church upstairs on the second floor. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And this was a Sunday. So I'm out there in full costume. So I start, you know, to get into character. I started stopping traffic on the street asking people for money people are beeping their horn get the hell out of the street who do you think you are get away from me and i got my hand out and i'm you know still you know walking hunched over and and looking crazy now
0: the,
2: (laughs) the church is getting ready to get out and i'm gonna tell you how god and i i feel sorry for this pastor he was like west indian or something and um he was having church upstairs and I didn't realize he was a preacher, but some of the people came out, and I was asking them for money or something to eat. And a couple of people went to the car and gave me some some cookies. And um, I said, Hey, 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 you know, that, you know, uh, Rev, Rev, you know, let me get a couple of dollars. I know you took a collection up there. Let me get look. Get away from me! Get on get, get hand me! Who do you think you are? Get get out of here! You are disgusting. And his parishioners looked at him a different way after um, he said that. And then the director said, "Oh, he's just an actor. he's just playing oh oh oh, um, I, I knew that. I knew no, he did not. He showed his true colors <laughs> now, if you do not have um malice in your heart, I mean, you can't give every percy begging, obviously, you can't give all your money to everybody. you would have no money yourself, mm-hmm. but I look pretty destitute, and if you go to my website and you go to my Facebook, you'll be able to see those pictures, and those pictures will give you an example of what's going on. When you watch my reel, I'm laying in in the gutter, you know, in the box, in the cardboard box. That was the same day. That's where those pictures are from, Uh, the same day. And uh, Dee um, did a fantastic job directing that. If you ever get a chance, um, Dee, um, she did a wonderful job. It's called Addicted. Um, You might be able to see it on YouTube. I'm not sure. Um, She's one of my friends on Facebook, um, Deidre. She's a a great female director. I've been working with a lot of female directors. I don't work with many men directors. I just did a, uh, a commercial for Rock Hard Weekend. That's a man's stimulant. <laughs>
0: that
2: was funny. That now was let me ask
1: you a question about your, um, your range. Now, um, what would you say was the role that was the, the farthest from your character and and the range that you have as an actor? You know, like the thing that you did the most. Other than this crackhead, I don't know if that was just that, you know, I mean, like you, you've seen things like that, but have you ever done a role where you didn't have a whole lot of information to go on, but you just put your own self in it to make it work?
2: I would are, have to say, um, say that I worked with, with uh, Carla Saunders on a piece um, that is um, up on Facebook. It's on my um, in my videos to view. I played a pedophile. Now, that is the furthest thing. Um, and it's very, very dark, very, 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 very um, draining. Um, playing abusive, man, that was very draining as well. Um, playing the crackhead was fun. Um, I, I love, I love um, tricking people and playing practical jokes. Um, that was so much fun to me. But the, the um, so far, the pedophile. And both of the situations, Carla's and Dee's um, project, and the abusive boyfriend, um, we shot a scene where we're in the bedroom, I don't want to give it away, but what happens is she brings a girlfriend over who is, I have told her, is not allowed in the house, and that infuriates me because I came home early to check on her, and she's trying to leave. So I convince her with my charm to stay, start dancing in a circle, and then... pop. My eyes bulge out. I fell on the bed. She's kicking and fighting, punching in the face, dragging her across the bed, kicking her and stomping her on the floor. And then after that, I'm straightening up my tie and fixing my shirt, and I'm telling her, you ain't hurt. Get up. Ain't nothing wrong with you. have this place cleaned up before I get back. And if it ain't cleaned cleaned up the way I want it, I'm going to give you some more. Now get yourself up. Ain't nothing wrong with you. And then as I'm leaving, I spit on her. That there, and that two minutes it may have took to shoot that, and we did that take about, I would say about three or four times, maybe maybe five times. Every time I did it, I got more and more. Where I was hyperventilating, I was breathing heavy because I had to keep on going back to that amount of energy that I used to stomp her and to say the lines that I was saying and to spit on her. And to, I mean, it's when you see this you gonna you' gonna hate me I, I want you to love me, but you're gonna hate me and i I love the fact that you hate me because that means I did my job
1: I know because when um <clears throat> When you do a role or it's this similar roles for a long time, people start to like be attached to that type of personality. Because I'm gonna give you an example with uh, Harrison Ford. I've been in love with him forever for the Indiana Jones and Han Solo and and then his Patriot. Um, uh, what is the Patriot Act or Patriot Wars or whatever that that character and and then he did that movie with um, Michelle Pfeiffer. Um, Yep, Mm -hmm. the the ghost story, and Mm -hmm. I, I I was saying all along. I said that would be a trip if he was. I think the name of
2: that movie is What Lies Beneath. Yeah, What Lies Beneath.
1: I was so. I I mean, he did the evil part of the husband who was the actual Mm -hmm. killer of the girl and Mm -hmm. having an affair on his wife and all that stuff, Mm -hmm. and then try to kill his wife. I mean, I couldn't believe that he was doing that role. It's just like threw me off because I was just ready to see the ghost doing stuff and I could see she was sending a message. But um when a, when an actor is like playing this goody two shoe role forever and then all uh-huh. of a sudden they played his evil role, I'm like like well, Danny Glover playing um um uh, Sir or uh, Mr or whatever on um Color uh-huh. Purple and uh-huh. I've seen him on, you know, Beat the Weapon and he was like funny and stuff like that but then well my mother oh, see, still that's, can't that's stand it.
2: You never you never want to be typecasted. People have committed suicide over being typecast. Their their careers have went into the toilet being typecasted. You can't see um mm. uh, Fawns playing anything else but the Fonz. You can't see Urkel Oh my God, but else, when but I saw that.
0: Henry
1: Winkler put them high heel shoes on on Border Boy.
2: <laughs> yeah, he was good. That was that was a good look for him. I-
1: I, I said, not oh, the
2: Fonzarelli. He's like the old oh,
1: man. He's got on high heels. He's not the fines anymore, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: It, it takes, a, I mean, it, it a, and that's, and that's what I was talking about with Eddie Murphy trying to sing. It takes a lot for us to wrap our minds around a person being like Jamie Foxx being a serious actor, taking him seriously as, a, I mean, as an
0: actor.
1: I can't take him serious. I'm telling you, I'm sorry. Every time and I look did, at him, I see he why. Did Ray. So I can't, I can't take him. I love him and Ray. I'm not gonna take that away from him. And I think he that was out of out of every movie he's ever done was his best movie, whether he won an award or not. But um, everything else, I, I only see Wanda. That's what I cannot. He did Wanda so well that it just it just seemed like he was Wanda And every time I see his face. I see his eyes look <laughs> it, it just like Wanda. Felt- I, her face all over him every you. time. I got
2: you. I got you, baby. I got you. <laughs> Yeah, let me put
1: some Vaseline on
0: my
1: lips. I know. <laughs> Just like, well, Martin Martin was different because I couldn't see Martin in anything serious. And Martin ever played a serious role, but Martin could play a character that's not trying to be funny. When he did Rodney Jenkins, he was not trying to be funny, but he was funny. I mean, like, he played a mature version of of Martin Lawrence in that movie, but he was still funny. I mean, he was hilarious but i can't see him playing like a serious role like if he did his life story and he played himself as in a life story movie i would still laugh at it through the whole you know the back back scenes and stuff of his real life it wouldn't seem like it wasn't a comedy
2: mm-hmm.
1: so it's, some it's, people it's, can it's, do it some people you know it's some all people about just...
2: what your what your comfort level is Sometimes people don't want to take roles that are outside their comfort zone. Like a lot of times you see Denzel Washington playing characters that are very close to his personality.
1: I know. Everybody,
2: that's what makes it like calm, a man, safe, cool, cool, and collected. Safe. So then yeah. getting an award for um, that Training movie day. was...
1: Training Day?
2: Yeah, Training Day was very, very, very... Um, I was very disappointed. He should
1: have got it. Well, I was disappointed as well. And I was Malcolm also, I could see, yeah, he should have got it for Hurricane and for Malcolm X.
2: But yeah, what Malcolm I King saw. Coddy, and he played
1: it, the hell out of that. Yeah, yeah. When I saw his face when he got the Oscar, I could tell that he was, it, it had already bothered him. He enjoyed and accepted the award and everything, but I could tell that it was affecting him that he got it for that role and not for something else that he did that was totally different. It seems to me like every time he plays an angry black man that he gets an award or he gets nominated or something. When he was in Philadelphia, I mean, it wasn't paying that much attention to him, but he's a very good role in there. And But oh, yeah, it seems thing. like,
2: Especially yeah. He's in a um, like, drugstore and the, and the guy's trying to come on to him. He's like, yo, man, I ain't gay. I he's gay, gay about me. you to and, gay? May but every time he air.
1: play every time he plays a safe role, you know, if he gets angry and out of control, they want to give him a award. Like he was an angry black man on Glory. He was the most outspoken black man out of all those guys in the fort on Glory. And he he would want to got wit and he did say, I heard this from his mouth, he'll never play a slave. And again, that he was pretty much a sort of like a slave in that movie, but um he'll never play a role like that where he gets whipped or he's a slave or anything like that because uh, he he can be so much more to this business than what they wanna you know, stereotype him as just because he's like one of the favorite black male actors that everybody's wanna watch.
0: Mm.
1: And I don't I don't blame him and I and you can see we don't have too many more slave movies coming out, um it seems like they're trying to evolve us to the next level. But, you know, we went from slaves to gangsters and hookers and pimps to lawyers and police and, and business people to teachers, comedians, uh, you know, te- uh, uh, kung fu artists. When <laughs> they put Don Cheeto as a kung fu artist in uh, Rush Hour, you know, I, mm-hmm. I was just saying we are evolving. But my question to you right now is, why are there still not a lot of roles available to to African Americans? Uh, whether because it's positive or blacks, negative, that doesn't matter anymore. But why aren't there uh, any enough roles?
2: Because it, again, it's show business, and they feel that, but um, Tyler Perry has has proven it over and over again that. Black movies or a majority uh, um, 80% Of the people in the movie are black That it makes money People will, Black people will go support black movies Somebody put in Some white person's head That black movies or black Um, um Stories shouldn't be told That we should only guest star Or be a, a co-star In these white movies I mean it's, it's very unfortunate Um there are so many, and I think that's why we have the great thing about independent directors and um, independent movie makers are, are putting their stories out, women, men, male, female, homosexual, straight. I mean, it's, it's, it's a great medium to, to have the Internet and to have Facebook and all these other mediums that you can, get your, get your, you can express yourself. Um, mm-hmm. There are so many stories that could be told. Um, Tyler Perry has put his foot in Hollywood's ass about his making, you know, he's making $50 million a, uh, a weekend or, you know, anywhere from 20 to $50 million a weekend on his movies. That's unheard of. You know, it's supposed to be, that's not that's not supposed to happen. You know, um, African-American movies aren't supposed to make this kind of money. But Tyler Perry has proven that, and that's why he's able to do what he does.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm happy about that as long as he doesn't um – sacrifice a few things in order to get there to that, that position or stay in that position.
0: Um, well, he's working. With I would um... like to
1: see him stretch out and go beyond the, the average black family unit and do something a little different. I would like to see him bring more of our stories out and grab some history from our culture and make a movie out of that or do something else because I don't want to see Medea till Medea's like ninety nine years old. I want to see, you know, something else. And I know he has he's he's used Medea to get to this level. Now it's time to like put her to the side for a minute and get something else. Well, going. he's been
2: trying. He's been trying, but um, a lot of things um, that he's been doing. Well, uh, I mean, you think about it. Um, he's getting ready to do for colored girls um who've uh, committed suicide. Oh, is yes?
1: oh he's my God! I love that. that book.
2: Oh yeah. That's gonna be that's gonna be a big one. It's gonna make a lot of oh, money. Oh yeah,
1: that's that's good. That's gonna be good. Cause I I was um well I write stories and screenplays and i wanted to well, delve into. Well, I'm putting it out there. I'm it out
2: there in the universe. If you write anything that has a male <laughs> in it, I want I want an opportunity to read for it. And I know well, I don't have to be the. I don't you have don't even have to be the good have guy. Really... I can be the bad guy and I can be the crackhead. I know you got a crackhead story in there somewhere.
1: No, I don't have a crackhead story, but I do have an abusive um, husband story. So, you know, I'm sure you can handle that one.
2: Um, Boy, when you see this thing, it, but it's, uh, it's like, it's like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> hmm. it's like, it's uh, like, I like, when. well, I can understand where it comes to writing, you know, what you try to portray. And I, I, I actually um, got the idea of a story that I'm writing called Caramel Butterfly from, um knowing people who have been in relationships where the husband is very abusive and the woman is, like, at a point where she just pretty much conforms her life into this abusive situation where it's normal for her now. Like, she she she's pretty much a, a routine uh, abused person, you know. Like, she knows what to expect from whatever happens in the house or whatever, she's almost um, to a point where he can smack her up and she just – ducks because she knows coming and then she knows what to do after this. She moves on after that. So in this role, I'm not portraying the the husband as just an, uh, your everyday abuser. There's a reason why he's that way. The point is trying to get the story of where it's coming from. A lot of times when we have situations when there's an abusive man, it's like he's probably watched that in his own family growing up and he's not... Mm-hmm. It's not determined what is supposed to be what happens. What's wrong about it? I mean, he doesn't understand it. Growing up, and as with a lot of young men, they feel like this is the way it's supposed to be. Certain things in their lives, when they put it into their everyday living, it's like nobody there to tell them, no, this is not the way you're supposed to be. And well, it's
2: he, it's, it's um it's um more so. Um, our relationships that we've experienced or watched um, normally have been our parents or other Mm -hmm. adults around us and also older brothers and sisters that might have been dating. Um, uh, It's a repetitive, um, a vicious cycle that needs to be broken. I I totally agree with that. But you also don't, you know, and for the females that are listening or that are, are in the blog right now, there are a lot of abusive women that are abusive to men. Right. That are abusive to children that are, mm-hmm. that story has not been told as of yet. I mean, you know,
1: what was it a lot in a uh, precious precious kind of touched on it?
2: Um, I thought that that was a, um, a great opportunity to tell a story. Um, I wasn't uh, particularly thrilled with the, uh, portrayals, but that's just my opinion. I, I see it from a different light. So, uh-huh.
1: Well, knowing people like Precious Mother, it does happen. <laughs> yeah,
0: it does. Oh, yeah, it does. They throw, does.
1: I, I know women that I've known in my lifetime that threw irons at their kids and went mm-hmm. after them with bats. And I had a relative that um, threw a, um, what was that, uh, uh tire chain or something, some kind of chain from the um, me- uh, mechanics chain that, that they used. On cars at his son, and uh, caused damage to his head. That the boy had to get a metal plate and put in his head, and he was uh, um, about 12 or 13 or something like that. So I've seen abuse really up front, personal, and um, I know those things. But we happen also have and some and great
2: love stories too. Can't always concentrate on should. the negative. You got to have the yin and the yang. You got to have a balance. You right. Have the good, so now
1: the story the that I was creating has a balance of that, although it's. But the man does truly love this woman, but it's just certain things that tick him off, and then and the abuse comes out. But he truly does love this woman, but he loves her to a fault where he does not want her to live if he can't have her with him. So I'm not going to tell the whole story, but uh, when she gets away, away from,
2: you to, to uh, she gets away, don't want your listeners to right. She gets away
1: from him and all, but. You Know, but you get to if you're playing this role, you get to really carry your emotions out there on all over, not just the sleeve, but on your dog or pants, legs, and, and your tie, your shirt, your neck, everywhere. Everywhere you have a, a place well, somebody I always, always, <laughs> always
2: welcome a challenge. I always now, welcome it, a challenge. Now, when
1: it comes to. Um, the movie roles that are out there for African-Americans, is there a role that you think uh, an African-American should not play or portray in any movie?
2: That's, that's hard because um, that's just like saying um, there's a string of jobs and stripper and pole dance happens to be one of them. There's, um, the first 10 people might say no, but the 11th person might say yes. So you really can't say is there a role that a person shouldn't play. Um, Me personally, I'd have to say that um, being involved in a homosexual act on screen is not really something that I would um, be able to give my all to. Um, Yes, I want to make money, but all money is not good money. Um, I have children. Uh, I I don't want to... um, do anything that would, um, in their eyesight, because my children are my, my, uh, the people I try to impress the most. Everybody else is secondary. My children, those are the most important critics to me. Um, what my children think of me is what's really important. So I would have to say, for me, personally speaking, playing someone that is maybe gay, and I have played a guy in um, a movie called A Woman's Worth. Um, I played a, a guy that the audience has to decide whether he's actually had sex with a man or is he just a man that is looking at a man or is he a brother on death down low or he's not a homosexual and that he may have had sex with a woman and left the condom in the bedroom that his girlfriend found. So there's a lot of things that you can derive. It all depends on your your background and your experience as a human being, whether you think he's gay or whether you think he's straight and he's just cheating on his girlfriend. Either way he's cheating on his girlfriend, whether he's with a man or with a woman. So, um I can go but so far, but there's a there's there's territory that I will not go into. Okay. Well that's a,
1: a great answer to that question. And um I know there are a lot of different roles that are asked of people to portray that might, you know, morally might not be something they would be willing to to do. Now, let me ask you this. What kind of sacrifices should a person make if they're um, planning on getting into um, the movie inter- industry as an actor Um what kind of sacrifices would they need to make? When it comes to making choices about roles or locations, like you've relocated a few times, you know, things like that, what what kind of uh, sacrifices should they be willing to make if they're going to endeavor? That is a
2: very very interesting question because in our lives we've all made sacrifices for one reason or another. Uh, If you were a salesman in New York, And they opened up a territory in Wichita, Kansas, and it was an opportunity for you to go out there and make some money and to be promoted to district manager as as opposed to a salesperson. You make a sacrifice. You move if it's just you. You move with you and your family, or you move and let your family stay there and you get it started. I mean, we all make sacrifices. Um, Anything that you believe in, that you feel that God has blessed you with the opportunity to, to get into or or showing you um, some favor, um, me, I'll, I'll act until the day I die because I feel that that's what my calling is. Sometimes your calling is not what you think your calling is. I mean, I'm a very talented person. You, every person has two or three talents that God has given them that they may or may not use. Um, I am able to work with children. I am able to cut hair. Um, I used to be in sales, um, marketing and advertising. Um, I can model. I can act. All these experiences helped me become the person that I am today. Um, I've made some some sacrifices. I've ruined a relationship. I've um, lost out on some things. But I felt that if I had to do it all over again, I might do it a little bit wiser, but I might have made the same choices because this is what I wanted to do, so I sacrificed.
1: Well, as with life, there are always going to be some sacrifices. And for certain things that people decide they want to do for a living, I would suggest that they do a lot of research and find out exactly what's going to be asked of them before they delve into something that's going to require a lot lot of hard work. And that would include the music industry, the film industry, the sports industry.
2: I disagree with you because if you have the faith of a mustard seed you can do anything with god on your side so if you want to be an entrepreneur and you want to open up your own business and you want to start knitting um dickies and you think you can make money at it you go ahead and jump out there on faith and see if god is going to be able to, to bless you and put you in the right arena um so many times that people say oh well I just don't, you know, I, I did the research and I don't think it's going to work for me. Or they let somebody else talk them out of it. Um, no. I was in a relationship where um, I was told that I couldn't act my way out of a paper bag. But I cannot wait until I get the opportunity to send that person a paper bag uh, wrapped in a Tiffany's box and say, mm-hmm. ta-da, I'm out of that paper bag. I mean, you got to, you got to, you're always going to have, Negative and positive energy, and that's why the yin and the yang, I guess, was created because you can't have good without bad, you can't have day without night. But, I mean, it's, it's 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 you know it's it's your journey. You have to you have to make a stop when you get tired, and you have to keep on pressing on when you get tired. It all depends on what your drive and what your will and what your determination is. Um, Right I'm sure people Told Flavor Flav He was the worst Rapper in the world But he's one of the Most famous rappers In the world I go on Flavor Flav Wearing a clock Around his neck His style has not changed In the 30 years That he's been rapping He's still wearing A clock and big glasses And and jacked up Suits that don't fit him And he's still As unattractive As ever But to somebody He's attractive And he did three shows on love and flavor Mhm, so anything well, is it did at
1: some point play out but what i'm saying what I was saying was you know even regardless of whether you have faith or not, you should still do the research of what it is you're trying to do. Because what point is it to me is not knowing exactly what you're doing, just jumping right in it. You can make certain sacrifices that are not necessary. You can have certain things happen to you that are not necessary because you didn't find out what it was that was involved in doing what it is that you want to do. When it comes to certain things like the music industry, people do need to do research about what it is to be a part of a major label or a major you know, influence that's in the industry because those are the people who are just in it for the business. A lot of them, and if you don't do your research and you just just listen to something somebody says and let them just tell you you're sure, whatever, whatever, because you're going to make some money. You you need to realize that you know that money's not going to be long term for you. It's going to be long term for them if you don't do enough research and make sure that you have all your legal. Information in your head, and not listen to just them. You have to get your own show representation, because there's a lot of folks that don't go into it educated and end up with nothing. I mean, they have so many people that. out there that don't have anything to show for, it, and their their music is still making money for somebody, but not for them. Mm-hmm. So it's important to really look into whatever field that you're trying to get into to find out, you know what. Just do some research and find out what what people have succeeded, what people have not succeeded, why did they not succeed, you know, what kind of mistakes do you see them making that you might can reflect on and maybe you won't make the same mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes, but you could also try to avoid certain things from happening if you watch other people and observe things that have happened to other people. It's the same thing, you know, with your family. Just because you're one family member, decided that he wanted to be a, you know, I don't know, a famous trash can picker or something, doesn't mean you got to be one. And just because somebody else got married to 10 men doesn't mean you got to do it. It doesn't also mean that your life is going to be great because you don't have these 10 husbands or that it's going to be bad because of that. I mean, you just have to see what fits for you. So you just can't follow behind every single person. You have to just go for what works for you. And, yes, you're right. You should have your faith because with God you can do just about anything you want to do. But you should still, God doesn't come down here and move your feet to make you walk. He expects you to do things for yourself as well. So you, got, you can't just sit around. I know people say, well, God to help me find a job, but then sit on the couch all day playing video games. He's not going to help you find a job, but you're sitting there not doing nothing for yourself. So if that's what I'm saying. You just have to put your own effort into what it is that you want to do and not just leave it up to other people all the time.
2: Absolutely. I totally agree. You got to, you know, God does he does wake you up. What you do with the rest of the day is on you.
1: Now, we were talking earlier about um, relationships, what we were talking about in retrospect of a a movie character. I just recently saw a movie that was actually a documentary, um, but it had features of um, actors playing these two characters in a movie in regards to um, the actual topic. Now, the movie was called Diary of a Tired Black Man, And it wasn't, I don't believe, to respond to Diary of a Mad Black Woman because it had nothing to do with the other. But in the movie, they were asking people on the streets, mostly of Chicago, Atlanta, and Texas, and um, New York, of how they felt about certain situations that they were portraying in this movie with a couple where the woman was supposedly an angry black woman, and she was so mean to her husband, I mean, so mean. And th- and he was just being portrayed as this really sweet guy, go to work every day, take care of his family, come home on time, he ain't hanging out in the street with his friends, he ain't cheating on his wife and you not know, beating her and stuff like that. And this woman seemed to want him to do something to react because she wasn't used to somebody being nice to her. And so throughout the movie, they were talking to people about, they were talking mostly to men about angry black women and what they felt about them. So I don't know if you've ever caught this, but um, I wanted to discuss that with you, how you felt about movies like this that are going into the streets to talk to people and asking their opinions about certain things that are happening in and, and regards to this, the topic of the movie. So, what
0: would well, your opinion um, be
1: on something like that? What do you What do you think is a tired black man?
0: Uh,
2: you, you got the right one, baby. Because um, I've been in that situation, and I I understand where that can lead to. Um, uh, the first premise is: if anybody is listening, when you fall in love with the person, you fall in love with the person that is standing in front of you. You do not fall in love with their mother, their father, their sisters, their brothers, their cousins, their grandparents, their environment that they grew up in, anything. When you see a person, or let's say you met, I met you at a club. We're having a great time. We're dancing. We're joking. We're talking. We have a little something to drink. We start talking to each other. We fall in love with each other, and we decide to get married. Now, I don't know your relationship with your father. I don't know what your opinion of your father is because I haven't taken the time to to really understand what I'm getting into because I fell in love with you prior to getting all this information. A lot of times what happens is we fall in love with the person in front of us and then, like an onion, start peeling back all the layers. An onion has millions of layers before you get to the core of that onion. And each relationship and each human being is an onion you have to peel back the layers. And sometimes you don't find out the layers until five, six years deep into the relationship that you really got a rotten onion there. Now, and that goes for men and for women. Now, me, by no means am I perfect. Me, by no means am I perfect. So I want to say that twice because I am not perfect. But I've been in relationships with a woman who um, lost her... Her mother and her grandmother raised her, and then she turned around and lost her grandfather, and was still being raised by her grandmother. Her biological father was incarcerated, and um, she grew up privileged. Grandmother did everything for her, um, gave her a, put a silver spoon in her mouth, where her cousins, who were darker complected, were jealous of her because she was light complexed Now, we're talking about light skin versus dark skin. We're um talking about a grandmother who raised her only grandchild and she had several grandchildren, but this particular grandchild because of the circumstances had to raise her. So when I fell in love with this young lady and I mean I was head over heels with this girl. I mean I you know loved to, I just whatever I could do to make her happy. I was willing to do because I didn't know no better. Because in my own situation, even though my mother and father were still together, um, the way my father treated my mother, and I had three younger brothers, I was the oldest, and the relationships I had been in, I really didn't know much. So it's um, a fantastic, life is such a fantastic experience, be it good, bad, or indifferent. Um, You start to understand the workings of, of what you're dealing with. Um, Me and this person happened to be the same astrological sign We we got along for a minute But after, you know, after a while It it started being uh, a combative situation She was mad and angry about her mother passing away while she was young She was um, mad and angry because of um, the way um, her previous relationship worked out um, here I am, you know, Mr. Goody Two Shoes, trying to do everything and trying to do all the right things. I mean, it's it's it's. I'm just giving you one side of the story. I'm sure that she could give you another side of the story. Um, mm-hmm. It's 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 such a, a complex situation when you get into it. Again, you fall in love with the person before you. You don't fall in love with the person, the the real person that will be exposed in six months. To Two years I mean it's, it's layers um, In any relationship Be it friendship or be it um, A relationship that leads to Boyfriend and girlfriend or marriage It's, it's, it's a relationship um, How a person Feels about their parents I mean It's easy to say I, I love my parents But your parents have done certain things To you to make you the way you are Your environment how you were raised Did you live in an apartment Did you grow up in an apartment Did you grow up in a house Did you grow up um, Using mass transportation Did your people have a car Did you have one television Or did you have two televisions In the times that we grew up And the, our kids are growing up In an era now where they don't even know What a beating is Kids don't get beat Man we used to get beat you know, It seems like I used to get beat Every week Whether I needed it or not I was getting it But that's how our parents Kids don't come with a handbook I mean our our environments were definitely a product of our environment. Whether you went to high school that was all black, or you went to high school that was all white, or you went to high school that was forty uh, percent black, forty percent white, and twenty percent other. I mean, there are so many different variables. Did you go to college? Is something burning, baby? Um, something. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, it's uh. It, it's um, it's about love. I mean, it's about layers. It's about a lot of different things. I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean,
1: well, I know life hits us in a lot of different ways, and I guess um, we pretty much have to go according to how we are raised and how we grow up, and, and what part do we take in the responsibility of our of our growth. You, gotta, you know, you
2: as adults. It, right. You, you don't necessarily you can't blame it, make it your right. family
1: all the time. You gotta, you know, you gotta take the steps your own self to make things right. So, but um, looks like we have about seven minutes left in our em- interview, and um, just wanted wow. to ask you a a question. We have had a, such a great time in this interview. Yeah, we
2: gotta, we gotta do it, it again. Ask... Whatever you want to do it again, I'm good. Whatever you want to do Absolutely. it again, I'm, 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 I'm excited.
1: I wanted to ask you one last question. What is your goal now? Like, what do you want to do now? What, what is it that you want to accomplish now?
2: Okay, as an actor, um, I would like to be in um, more films and involved in a TV show on a network. Um, I love um, doing independent projects, but I also got to pay bills. I would love to be paid. Um, it's not about money. But money makes the world go round. Another thing is that as a, a person that gives back to the community, I work with Jose of Feed the Homeless um, on Thanksgiving Day, Christmas Day, and Easter Sunday, I cut hair for the homeless. Um, I also give free haircuts to people that are um, have been diagnosed with cancer, that are having a, a problem figuring out what they want to do with their hair. Um, I'm also advocate for children that have um, disabilities, um, maybe Down syndrome or uh, autism. Uh, I'm a a great fan of um, fathers being able to see their kids, uh, uh, fighting the court system to um, have better rights for fathers. Um, There are fathers that want to see their children, that are not allowed to see their children because of the situation that they're in. Uh, It shouldn't be about money all the time. It should be about um, being there for the child. Uh, we put so much emphasis on our money um, these days that just being there for the child is what's really important. Um, another thing is that um, I would love to be able to um, speak out and help raise money for the Fairy Godmother um, um, project that my girlfriend started, um, Tanya Sue gowdy Coffer. Um, to help people who cannot pay for their their, um, their fees, their you know their deductibles. You know you got to pay ten dollars when you go to the visit, you know, to the doctor. You got to pay twenty dollars to get your medicine. Sometimes people don't have it, or the check is not there yet. And what she used to right. do is she used to make jewelry, so that sell the jewelry and the proceeds would go to help the people be able to pay off uh, pay their um their copay. Um, mm-hmm. I love, I love being um, involved with people. I want to be able to talk to people. And, um, as a barber, I play a psychologist. I play a priest. I play a lawyer. I play a detective. I play a cop. I play a big brother. Um, mentoring um, children that are mentally challenged. Um, I believe it's um, out of five boys or five children that may have autism, one of them is a girl. So that's four young men that don't have any type of guidance. They don't know how to tie a tie. They don't know how to um, do certain things once they get a little bit older. Once you get a little bit older and you're afflicted with these these challenges in life, that there's got to be a place for them to go and, and for them to, to be productive human beings. So there's, there's a lot of things that I would like to accomplish. I would like to leave a legacy for my children to understand that I am a, um, a person who wants to give and to um, also um, boss. Mr. Brennan taught me that you give to people. You know, if you don't. You know, I always have to give money. You know, sometimes I give away a free haircut. Um, sometimes I go to a restaurant and get something, you know, left over or whatever, and I'll see somebody that may be homeless or whatever. Might be homeless or whatever.
1: Well, certainly there's a lot of folks that need help these days. I mean, we've been going through it a lot. So that's very admirable of you to, you know, try to do your part and be involved as much as possible. And I hope everybody else out there listening will consider doing the same. It's not always about money. It's about, you know, what makes you feel like you're doing something to help somebody. People don't always need money. They do need money, but it's not If you can't provide the money, you can provide something of yourself to make the day go by better for them somehow. So any little bit helps, and I hope everybody takes in mind the the things that are necessary, Um, especially right now. I know we have our own problems going on in our country, but the people in Haiti are still suffering, and they're still needing a lot of things, and uh, we're going to do a special um, in a couple of weeks in regards to what Haiti is going through now since it's been about six months since the earthquake hit that um, country. I in
2: last night, and um, they were saying that there's feed and food and all kinds of things sitting there, just sitting there in warehouses um, right. unable to get to the people that need it. Um, they did a great, great, great insight on 360, which was happening um, in Haiti, and if anybody gets the opportunity to watch that. YouTube uh-huh. that or watch that or whatever you need to do. But you are absolutely right. There are there are things happening in our own country um, with Katrina right. and um, the different tornadoes and, and, and floods that have happened in Texas and Florida and all these other um, states right in our backyard. Our president is doing a fantastic job. I want to say yes, Obama is. is doing a fantastic job, and I give him kudos for having wow. the broadest shoulders in the world when people are coming at him left and right. Yeah, that's going to be something that
1: we're going to talk about. But Right now, we have 60 seconds left on the show, so let me take that time to say thank you for being a guest on the show. I really appreciate it. We will definitely have to do another show. And uh I want everybody that's listening to this, um, pay attention to my Facebook page. We're going to be doing a whole lot of things. I want you all to join me. You can either go by my name, Ravinda Dalla, or you can go on the Mingle Network or MZND Radio Talent, and you'll find me somewhere on Facebook, somewhere on Twitter. And uh, you're going to always come and check us out here at Blog Talk Radio. You can download this episode as well when we are finished the show and uh, play it on your iPod or your computer. And um, thanks again, Ms. Cal Carlton, for being a wonderful guest and giving us some juicy and and, and intelligent and inspiring information. And we are going to be leaving uh, the show with the rest of the song that I love to play all the time. So I hope everybody enjoys it. Cal, I will be talking to you very shortly because we have some more things to discuss. And I'm going to go ahead and put my Kill Bill on because you all know this is my theme song. Mm -hmm.